0: good morning light church how are you doing my name is keith jenkins i reside in the pacific northwest and serve this beautiful church east hill and uh it is you know a joy to be with you i had intended on actually being present because what better reason is there to go to san diego than to go to the beach and to eat great food see great friends oh i'm sorry and preach the gospel at light church yes Supposed to be there, but we can't, but I'm so grateful for the technology that allows us to uh, be together this morning. Listen, I love your pastors and would love to have hugged their neck and seen them, but they're getting away, as you know, this summer, and it's good for them to get some rest. Keep them in your prayers while they're away. It's been a difficult time leading through the crisis and that type of thing. We want them to come back refreshed and ready for the fall push. Amen? Oh, by the way, I'm one of those preachers. I holler back at your boy this whole time. So listen, I know that you guys have been in a summer series and I'm going to jump right into that series. The text that I've selected is Psalms, uh, Psalm 23 and it's a familiar portion of scripture. In fact, little trivia point for me this is literally the first, it is my favorite, one of my favorites, but it's the first scripture that I memorized. And I did that in exchange for my freedom in, in the summertime growing up in my grandmother's house. She made sure that we memorized scripture, that we read scripture. And one of the things that she made me do is before I could go out to play, I needed to have memorized the text. And this was one of the first ones. But it's not just my favorite. It is one of the favorites of millions of people, both inside and outside the church, is one of the most. It is one of the most uh, meditated upon, quoted, memorized texts that we have in the scriptures, and, and I think it's for a great reason. Because when you think about, it, we're gonna get into it in just a second. But when you think about it, it is one of those texts that gives us great comfort and great consolation for our souls. In fact. You can look throughout through history and you'll see people that were under persecution and the threat of death be quoting this text as they were suffering, as they were being tortured and ultimately put to death. It's also called, I know today we celebrate life and light, but it's also called the funeral song because again, during funerals, you will hear people either quote it, read it, sing it, because it is again, one of those texts that gives us great comfort um, in in whether you're in good times or whether you're really struggling. And so also I ran across, a, a, a quote, or actually a little bit of a biographical story, a little snippet, a little tidbit of uh, President Lincoln. During the height of the Civil War, he was battling with depression off and on, and he would read the 23rd Psalm to himself out loud to give himself comfort during those dark days. And so let's, let's jump into Psalm 23 together. Let's, I'm going to read the whole thing. Here's what I would suggest. Like my grandmother, why don't you, instead of making this a one-off this week, why don't you take this text and commit it to memory? Like take the next several weeks and just memorize it and just go word by word, phrase by phrase, and let it sink deep into your soul, okay? So look, let's read it together. You know, it's a familiar portion of scripture, but I'm going to read it and you can follow along. Uh, It says, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul, and he guides me along the right path for his sake. Even though I walk through the darkest of valleys, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. and You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love, or mercy... Will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So let's take a little walk through the text, verse by verse, and see if we can draw out the things that God gave me for you this morning. First things first. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore I lack nothing. If you notice, David is not making a congregational statement. He is not making a statement for the church or for the nation of Israel. This is a personal declaration from David That is that gives us a, pit, a window into his relationship with God and how he felt about God. This is his personal declaration. The Lord is my shepherd, not a shepherd, but my shepherd personal shepherd, therefore, I lack nothing. So so then right off the bat, the question you would have to ask yourself is, who is the shepherd of my life? Who is guiding my life? Who is doing what shepherds do, which is everything for their flocks, protecting, preserving, providing for. And so when you start thinking about your relationship with the Lord, you've got to ask yourself, am I under the shepherd's care? Is he my shepherd? Because David is saying that, that out of all of the shepherds there are, and this is metaphoric for him because he recognizes him himself as being a shepherd and he was a shepherd at one time and this is common in that in that culture to have different shepherds of different flocks and he says oh the lord is my shepherd and so when i think about that the first thing it says to me is that when i place myself under the lord's under the lord's leadership that he takes responsibility and soon assume, and assumes the role in my life as that person who will provide protect and take care of nurture me as one of his. And so, if God is a shepherd, then that makes you and I a sheep, which that is not a compliment, just so you know. And uh, don't tell me that God doesn't have a sense of humor when he calls his people sheep, because, you know, I'm from the city. I agree, some of you are from San Diego and different places. We didn't grow up on farms and around sheep and that type of thing. So you you gotta do your research. You gotta go to YouTube and Wikipedia. Come on, somebody. And so right out of the gate, you start realizing when you do any study of sheep, you recognize that they are absolutely helpless, that they have no natural defense in and of themselves except to run. Hello, somebody. They're not very intelligent and they're completely vulnerable. Uh, Another thing about them, if you don't know or not, they are directionally challenged, which is why Jesus says, me, we're like sheep and we've all gone astray uh, in the book of Isaiah. And it also is that they are driven by their appetites. So as long as their heads are down and they're eating, they're just wandering, following their appetites. Note to self, I need to be aware of the appetites that drive my life and maybe lead me away from under the shepherd's care. That's just for free. That isn't even in my notes. Um, Without a shepherd, watch this, sheep literally cannot survive. They would die. They would overeat. They could die of pestilence. They could be predators that come and get them. Without a shepherd, they don't survive. And, And I want to say to you: without Jesus as the good shepherd of our lives, we don't prosper. We don't thrive. In fact, we don't even survive eternally without Jesus as our good shepherd. Amen? And so. I want you to also understand that everything that follows, now really set your mind, calibrate your mind with me. Everything that follows by way of provision comes to us in this psalm. All that follows is the linchpin of it is, is the Lord your shepherd? Because therefore, if he is your shepherd, then the following provisions you can count on being yours. And so when we start going through this psalm, you got to correct back to verse one again, this provision, whether it be the still waters, whether it be the quiet places, whether it be green pastures or whether it be a table in the presence of enemies. As we get there, that can only be true for you if notice what I said, if the Lord is your personal shepherd the whole time you're listening to this message this although you're listening it as a group and maybe you're listening at home and having a watch party and got different ones it it is a singular endeavor for you to answer the question is the lord my shepherd. Now, I just want that sort of hanging out there for you the whole time that we're talking this morning so that you can maybe if necessary at the end correct back and say, you know what, you are the Lord of my life and, and the shepherd of my life in certain areas and I allow you to lead me in those areas, but other areas I take and assume responsibility for. And I'm saying to you that in order for us to really enjoy the benefits of the relationship we have with the Lord Jesus, we have to allow him to begin to explore the areas that we are afraid or that we retain control over in our lives and to ever increasingly entrust more of ourselves, more of our heart, more dependency on the Lord, amen? And so right out of the gate, we've realized that sheep aren't smart, they're, not def- they're defenseless, I mean, there's a lot to be said about them, right? And yet the Lord loves us anyway, yes? So first provision comes to us in the form of chapter uh, verse two and three, and it says he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul and he guides me along the path was right for his namesake. Now, the first thing you've got to imagine as you and, and I love to do this with the scriptures, you've got to imagine the scene. There's this flock. There's this shepherd, they're all over, spread all over the landscape, and it says that he makes them to lie down in green pastures. Now, first things first, it's not easy to find lush green pastures in Palestine, which means because it's arid, it's dry, and it's rocky, the terrain is not conducive for that. But shepherds know their terrain. So the first thing you've got to know is that my shepherd knows the way to provision. He knows how to lead and to guide us to those places where sheep lush pasture fields are great for them. And so the shepherd's got to know where to take us, how to lead us, how to make it through the maybe the tight places in the terrain so that we can ultimately get to those places where we can pasture. He creates as it were the environment or the conditions that allow the sheep to lay down Now, there's a classic book by Philip Keller called A Shepherd's Look at Psalms 23. Classic book. You ought to grab it if you want. And uh, he says this about making sheep lie down. He says the strange thing about sheep is that because of their very makeup, it is almost impossible for them to be made to lie down unless four requirements are met. Here are the four. Number one. That there's a freedom from all fear. Sheep are pretty skittish, and so anything can really spook them, and they take off running. So they've got to be in a place where there's no fear. The other thing is, is they've got to be in a place where there's no friction with other sheep, because you know how how uh, how chickens have pecking orders. Well, sheep have butting orders. They they will butt one another for supremacy, and so. That, that, that's got to be kept at a minimum. So sometimes the shepherds got to come out and pull the sheep apart like a, munch, a lunch monitor at lunchtime in middle school. You know what I'm saying? And so sometimes we get after each other and the Lord's got to help us when we have intense fellowship with one another. And maybe there's competing interests and ambition and all these kind of things. And so they've got to be free of all fear. They've got to be in a place where there's no friction with sheep. They've got to, the sheep are on an endless. Pursuit of provision. and So they've got to be in a place where they're content that they've been provided for. And one of the things I recognize about the Lord is that he knows how to care for me. He knows how to provide for me. As much as I'm a father and now a grandfather, it doesn't all rely on me. And maybe you're a single parent, a single dad, a single mom, or grandmother, or auntie, raising a child, or whatever your situation is, and you're worried about your provision. Well, you can't lie down in that condition. But you can, when you trust the shepherd, knows how to provide for you, amen? And then lastly, one of the things that drives them nuts is pests, bugs, parasites, different things, getting in their eyes and and setting up nests, different things, So, so we want to be free of pestilence. And there's a lot of things in our life that just drive us nuts, whether it be cultural, whether it be relational, whatever it is, those things that the enemy would use to stir you up and to cause anxiety and grief in your soul, the shepherd knows. And so four conditions have to be met. Freedom from all fear, freedom from friction, freedom from a search of provision and free from all pests. Can the church say amen? Well, he also says in the second half of that verse, he "He leads me beside still or quiet waters and he refreshes or restores my soul. Can't tell you how in the world that we live in, it it, it has slowed down considerably since COVID-19 hit, but, but we live such fast paced lives that it's so hard to find rest and quiet. Can the moms say amen with all the littles at home right now. It is just hard to find not a place of isolation, Isolation is getting away from people trying and, and withdrawing from them. No, that's different than solitude, which we spend to have quiet moments with the Lord that restores and rejuvenates our souls, allows us to be in his presence to exhale a little bit. And and you guys know a lot about the beach. You're right there in a beach community, not far from the beach. And I call what we what we go through, I call it soul erosion. Where if you think about it, much like a wave comes on the sand up on the beach it pulls some of the sand back out every time and all of a sudden the the seashore erodes well it's the same thing that happens in our souls it's imperceptible we don't notice it every engagement the you know the, the job the kids the husband the church everybody wants something from you and before too long all of those engagements have taken more out of your soul and you haven't stopped in a quiet place beside still waters, to have your soul refreshed by the Lord. This is where sabbatical rhythms in our life, where we take Sabbath rest and we turn our phones off. Hello, somebody, and we just stop and get disconnected. This is what the Shepherd does for us. He leads us to the place. Remember, those conditions are for, are met where we can lay down, where we can rest, where we can just listen to waters rushing. Maybe you, like us in Oregon, we can actually go out to mountain streams and ponds and different places in the wild and just relax and get rejuvenated. And, and truthfully, my church has been gone all summer. They're out in the woods right now, but they're all being restored in their souls. Amen. And so whether you like it or not, even life at its best we're having erosion happen in our souls. There's so much going on all the time. You can have a great marriage, a great job, and you got all of that going for you. And yet and still, you ever woke up in the morning and you were still tired? Slept eight hours and you were still tired? Yeah, because a good night's sleep is not the answer to what ails our souls. We need to be in the presence of the Lord and allow him to restore, resuscitate, revive us in our internal man, amen? Amen. So in verse 4, it says this, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Have you noticed what just happened? Within this psalm, there's only six verses. Within this psalm, we're covering the full gamut of the human experience. We have just transitioned. I don't know if you knew it or not, but from verses 2 and 3 to verse 4, we're transitioning into the seasons of life that are difficult, where we're transitioning into adversity and affliction. Notice what it said, this is the darkest of valleys. I will fear no evil for you are with me. He shifts the scene in in David's mind and in his writing, shifts from placid waters, (laughs) lush valleys to now the ominous skies of dark valleys. Each and every one of us, just so you know, each and every one of us will go through some challenging times in our lives, the trying of our faith, as it were. And and unfortunately, in in recent years, it has become, our faith has sort of been used as an exemption clause, as a sort of get out of hard times, you know, get out of jail card, get out of hard times card, where, where if you're in faith and you're in church, you should have no tough times, you should have no trials, nothing bad ever befalls you. I mean, you know, that's erroneous theology. We live in a broken world, and what ails our world does visit our lives. We lose people. We get sick. There's brokenness that comes near to our lives. But what our faith does is gives us a refuge and a hope in the midst of the storm. In in the midst of trials and tribulations, we know, not if, but when we go through trials. And even if they're grievous, even to the point of death, we know that we have a hope beyond this life. A lot has been said in recent years about the American dream and that type of thing. And and I am in my mind constantly fighting and saying, no, there's something better than that. It's called the king's dream for you and me. And he gave us something that transcends this life. So therefore, if you and I, listen, how hopeless would we be if we only had a hope in this life? And so if all we had was what this is, this world, and, and all of a sudden... That brokenness from this flawed world system that Jesus has called us out of into something far better called the kingdom of God. That's a whole nother series. And and yet we have something better. It is an eternal hope. So therefore, all of our hope is not in this life. All of our security is not here. We're banking on what Jesus said when he said, I go to prepare a place for you. I want to go to the prepared place that the Lord has for me. And, and although even in the midst of storms in this life, I have a refuge, I have a hope, I have something to anchor myself to. I've been married to my wife for 32 years and God forbid anything would ever happen to her. But if it should, my hope was not in this life alone. That I have a hope that if we are somehow parted before the end, that I will see her again one day. Amen. And so I want you to know, David is writing to us that if, if the Lord is my shepherd and listen, watch this, in the lush pasture... He's my shepherd by the still waters. He's also my shepherd in the darkest valley. The other part of that I love is is that it's part of my journey but it's not my destination, the darkest valley, right? Because we're passing through, not setting up shop. We're not living in the valley, we're passing through. And here's what I realized about my walk with Jesus and my faith. My faith is authenticated in trials and tribulations. In the things that I suffer, my faith is authenticated. In the moments of, of ease and prosperity, I talk about my faith and it's true, but it doesn't really get tested until I'm pruned, until things don't go the way that I thought they would. Things don't, uh, the way that I had designed my life and my marriage and my job and my business and none of that works. And all of a sudden there's a global pandemic and I don't know, there's there's economic uncertainty and what do we do with the kids and who's gonna watch and all of this stuff happens. You recognize whether you're under the shepherd's care or not, or whether you've taken yourself out from under his care. Because I don't know if you've ever seen sheep before. I have with a shepherd. They are oblivious to everything. They're just munching and walking, that's it. Head down, they don't care where they're going. They're not like our kids on a road trip. Hey, are we there yet? No, no, it's none of that. They're just under the shepherd's care. And and it could be said that the sheep find their greatest source of peace and contentment when the shepherd is near. I've been in ICU rooms. I've been in living rooms where people have been sent home on hospice. And I've watched people, ironically enough, in some of the most difficult moments, reach for their faith, and with on, on, literally with cancer having wrecked their body or some other disease, watch them sing songs of hope and peace with literally their last breath. Why? Because they recognize that the good shepherd led them into this valley will ultimately lead them out of it on the other side. And that even if this valley takes their life in this world. They recognize that the good shepherd overcame death, hell, and the grave when he was resurrected. So we even have a hope beyond anything this world can ever throw at us. Amen? Let's go to verse five. It, it's another portion of scripture that sort of is indicative of the dark seasons of life, the turbulent times in our lives. Listen to what the verse says. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What? Yeah. Yeah. Coming back to that. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Wait a minute. You prepare a table before me in the presence, the very presence of my enemies. Okay. So listen, I, you don't know this about me, but I was a Marine for 10 years. And, and I can tell you that the last thing that we would do is put a spread out when we think that the enemy is nearby. Not even just like in my presence, not even if he's nearby, why? We're eating in bags, we're ready to go at a moment's notice and engage the enemy. But again, this might be what you do and this might be your response if the Lord isn't your shepherd. But if the Lord is your shepherd in the moment when your enemies seem to have the upper hand whether it's financial, whether it's related, a relationship, whether it's related to your health, whether it's the children going crazy, relatives, the world, the White House, whatever it is that you feel like is a raid against your life that has surrounded you. The Lord said, I've prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Now, the first thing that comes to mind, ladies, listen, the first thing that comes to my mind I'm gonna talk to the ladies for a minute, is the times when I take my wife, whether it's a special occasion or one of them just because kind of nights, where, where we go to a restaurant that demands that you have reservations. That reservations are made and all of a sudden, you get there, I don't know about you, but I always feel, Really different when I go to the ta- to the counter and check in and say, hello, my name is Keith Jenkins. We have a reservation for two, for seven o'clock. And they say, oh, Mr. Jenkins, let me see you right here. Yes, you do. You have a table right this way. And all of a sudden, I just reach out to my wife, Coco. I'm like, come on, girl. We in the right place at the right time, right? And so we walk to the table. Did you ever notice that in a restaurant, all tables are not equal? Some tables have great views and that type of thing. And I start thinking about this table idea that God is calling us to a table, to to feast. This is not, these are not snacks. How many of you ever went to somebody's house and you're like, we're going to eat and you got the plate and you're like, man, it's a bunch of, yeah, I don't know what that is. No, no, no. This is a feast that God has laid out. A spread is laid out in the presence of your enemies. Immediately, I want to counsel God and say, okay, God, like, uh, wrong time, wrong place. Like, we got, got, this is a weird place for a feast. Like, we got some real enemies to deal with. And I've seen the Lord set up a table for people, like I said before, who were arrayed at a hospital. Everybody's been called to a hospital room, and we're waiting for a surgeon to come out and give a report on how somebody fared. Um, There can be a table. That God prepares in the presence of your enemies. Why? Because we recognize that the Lord is hosting us. And and I don't know if you know a lot about Eastern culture, but Eastern culture, especially as it relates to hospitality, there there are certain cultures that say that if a host invites you into his home, then he assumes or he assumes responsibility for you as the guest, which means that your enemies then become his enemies, and that as the host, he will defend and fight for and with you. No greater person to have as a host than the Lord. No greater person to have fighting for your side. You don't have to get, you listen, some of you just fight and you get, you got to let everybody know and you got to get it out. You know, people don't listen to you and they got to listen to me. That's all this thing. You don't understand that the Lord will fight those battles for you. You don't have to fight those battles There's certain battles you can just go to sleep at night and not even worry about. Why? Because the Lord set a table for you in the presence of your enemy. I can have a good night's sleep. When all hell is breaking loose and there's uncertainty in the world and I don't know when I'll get back to work and I don't know what's going to happen and I can still have rest and sit at the table that the Lord has invited me to. It is an incredible feeling to know that the God of the universe will face down my enemies personally. Not to mention he is already victorious and overcome. So all I'm doing is just having faith in the finished work that he's done in my life. He's not done with me yet. So that means, listen, here's what it is. I think it's a fixed fight. Can I just tell you? I've read the back of the book. You don't have to read it. I read it, Revelation, we win, amen? And so what has happened is, is if you realize, you think about combat, wars are won by whoever accumulates the most victories in battles but in this particular case your war won't get won because of the battles you overcome why because jesus has already won the ultimate victory the war is over so what you are doing now is allowing the lord to guide you through these seasons of difficulties where there's dark valleys and enemies around you why it solidifies your faith and deepens your roots Your roots go down deep in those moments. Your faith is authenticated. You can stand up and say the Lord will provide. How do you know? Because the Lord provided. The Lord will heal. How do you know? Because someone was sick and the Lord became our healer. He was the table that we gathered around. We've had some challenges in our own life through the last 10 years that I can remember again and again when it seemed the darkest, seemed like affliction had overwhelmed us and tribulation had come against us. We would sit at a table literally, and pray and worship. And the presence of God will envelop you and me and did my family in the darkest moments. And in the moments where it seems like the enemy has the upper hand, God turns the tables and we win. Amen? And so lastly, verse six says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So as I follow the shepherd, His goodness and his mercy follow me. Now, most people in their life are looking for good things and goodness and blessing and prosperity, and they're pursuing those things. And I'm saying to you that as you are the sheep of God's flock, those things become a byproduct of your relationship with him. They don't become your life's pursuit. You shouldn't be trying. That doesn't mean you're not diligent. You're not excellent at what you do. It means that I ultimately trust that goodness is not gonna come from me positioning myself appropriately or laughing at jokes at my job that aren't funny or or cutting corners, all the other things that people do to get ahead. You have an X factor, you're the Lord's, you belong to him. So therefore, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. They're byproducts of your pursuit of him. And so, our ultimate dwelling place, watch this, is in his house, in his presence, unbroken relationship and fellowship with one another and him. It is such a blessing, I think, to call the Lord our shepherd. Isn't that right? All of these blessings get unlocked. We're confronted, our souls are eroding, we're we're tired and God restores and heals and and guides us along the path for his namesake. Not not to mention, listen, watch this, we get ourselves in dark valleys, we go through dark valleys. Some are self-inflicted, hello? Anybody ever been through a dark time because it was self-inflicted? But others, it's just because we live in a broken world. All of us gonna have to deal with and contend with enemies of our souls. The Lord prepares and arranges a table where I can sit. Now, watch this. When I sit at the table, I'm not looking over my shoulder, wondering where an enemy comes from. No, because the Lord's presence is is with me. And if the Lord is with me, even when no one else is, even if I lost everyone, if I had the Lord, I could start over. We could all start over. Lastly, he is my life's pursuit, not the other things of life. He is the pursuit of my life. And all the things are added as a byproduct. Amen? Well, listen, I've had a great time being with you this morning. Thanks for lending your ear and your heart to me. I hope this message ministered to you, provoked some thoughts, or at least gave you a place to start and say, hey, man, let me let me see if I have really surrendered myself over to the Lord and, and placed myself fully under his care. Maybe there's a new step, another step for you to take for you to entrust more of your life and more of your heart over to the Lord. Maybe somebody is sitting here or maybe somebody puts you in a watch party and that type of thing and you're like, man, I didn't know anything about this Lord, shepherd thing and Jesus and I've not known that before. I've not placed myself or surrendered or yielded myself to Jesus before. Maybe you want to do that this morning. It's very simple. Simply just asking Jesus to come in and be shepherd, Lord of your life, Savior, just ask, just praise like, Lord, you know what? I've been running around on my own doing whatever I want to, but I can see now you actually want to be involved in my life and shepherd and care and protect and provide for me. I've never had anybody want to do that for me before. In fact, everybody's disappointed and left me and disappointed. I would tell you Jesus would never do that. The Bible says he's the way, the truth, and the life, that nobody can come to the Father except through him. He died so that you can have a restored relationship with God the Father. And as simply as putting your faith in him this morning. Amen? So look, the rest of the summer we got left. We got some weeks left. Summer's winding down. Spend some time in Psalm 23 and reaffirm your commitment and your yieldedness and surrender underneath the good shepherd's care for you. Amen? Listen, take care of Benji and his wife. I love you guys. Don't make me come down there. You're messing with Benji. I love you. I'll see you soon. Amen?